Good morning and welcome to Kessid. My name is Danny and I am one of the pastors I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. Uh, I want to welcome you on this, uh, this fine Palm Sunday celebration. Uh, I just want to prepare you that this is not going to go how you expect it to. I just, I, I, I learned from the last two services, I should have said something at the beginning so they could like whew, prepare their hearts because uh, this thing's going sideways and it might as well just start right now. Um, if you don't know, here at Kessid, we're a place where people can come who are spiritually curious. We're a place where people can come who, who have issues with church and the way that it's done. We're a place where people who can come who just love Jesus with all their heart and want to walk in day-to-day relationship with him. Uh, we're a place of tension, so we're okay that uh, we don't all agree. We're a house of conversation and uh, a bunch of other stuff that, that we talk about here. But I, I especially want you today to... Uh, to just uh, consider what you expected as you walked in. Just ponder it for a minute because uh, I'm, I'm probably just going to take it all from you. So I just, with great love and respect in the name of our Lord Jesus. So it, it's all going to go well, but it is going to go different. And I, uh, and I think it should. Um, the video we just played, for instance, not my favorite. Uh, I don't love videos like that. That's why we don't do very many of them here. The creative in me just kind of cringes at some of the, the traditional stuff that, uh, that we throw out there, and I don't always love them. That's why I said it's going to go sideways right from the beginning, because now you're like, wait, what? I thought that video was awesome. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, because you get to have your thoughts as I get to have mine. But the reality is that all that kind of stuff is, uh, is helpful, because it draws our eyes to uh, the person of Jesus, which is what I am all about. All that stuff ultimately is uh, something that we're going to talk about today called artifice. And uh, I love artifice. I love, I love what it does. I love uh, how it breaks down a room. I love how it lifts people up. For those of you who don't know, artifice is subtle or imaginative ability in inventing, devising, or executing something. Um, there's companies that specialize in artifice in videos like that one that help draw a room like this one into a place where you can imagine being part of the story. And so that's why you can talk, frankly, about artifice. We're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about Scripture. When I go, hey, it's not my favorite video, I get to do that. Because it's artifice. It's not, it's not holy. It's just my own opinion. And you, by the way, get to do that with me today. Because some of what we experience in this very room is artifice. Artifice isn't bad. It isn't necessarily good. It's just the tools that we use to draw people's eyes to focus upon one thing. But what I want to notice in the room is what happens when we just call it what it is. Everybody suddenly gets just a little bit uncomfortable because we like it. We like artifice. We like what it does. We like how it protects us. We like that it proclaims something that we can get caught up with. For example, the Palm Sunday story. Let me just read it over you. I'm not even going to put verses on a screen because even that's a little bit of artifice. I'm in Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Listen in the story, and you try to figure out what in the story is pure artifice. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. I love that the opening dialogue and story before the, the triumphant 
entry into Jerusalem is Jesus instructing his disciples to go steal somebody's baby donkey. And they went away and found a colt. What do you know? Tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And then many, this is as he enters the town, spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Now, I have preached, you know, 13 or 14 Palm Sundays since Kess has started. And I love all the different angles and all the different ways that, that you can see this story. But when you really break it down, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. It's the start of Holy Week, of Passover week. He enters into to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is an occupied territory at this time. And people have heard that Jesus has the power to raise people from the dead, to heal, and that he's claiming to be a king. And so they naturally think he's coming to free us as oppressed people from our oppressors, to remove the political pressure, to remove the... the, 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 the I guess you could say uh, cultural uh, submission that Rome has put over Israel. He's going to tear all that off. And so they see Jesus coming and they have immediate expectations. And so they do what they know to do whenever a king enters town. They get artifice. They rip off palm branches. They take off their cloaks. They throw them on the ground. And they start waving these branches, yelling and proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means please save us. Please save us from what? Rome. We have song after song after song after song with Hosanna. It's beautiful. We just sang it. But did you realize most of those songs are based on this passage when people are actually through total artifice proclaiming to God and, and bringing glory to him to save them, not from their sin, not from their pride, not from their stuff, but from something in their life that they can touch and feel that they themselves can't handle. And they proclaim it loudly and boldly and in a completely artificial way because within just a few days, that same exact crowd will be chanting crucify. So I love the passage. I love what, it's, what it awakens in us. I just don't know if we let it get very personal. I don't know if we put ourselves in the crowd. That's the goal of the video, right? To put you in the crowd, waving palm branches with a voice that's encouraging. He is our king. And everybody's like, yes. Except they didn't want a king of their heart. What they wanted was a king of their country and a king of their oppressors and a king of their problems. They didn't want a king of their own brokenness. I told you from the beginning it was going to get uncomfortable. And it's only going to get worse. Because I think Palm Sunday is supposed to remind us of the artifice that all of us in this room, including myself, live with consistently and constantly. For instance, artifice can do some beautiful stuff. Like it can make a room like this small by focusing on one person and highlighting them over everybody else. It creates kind of an intimacy, right? Because I can't see you, but you know you can see me. So you feel like, oh. I also can see all the cell phones in the room immediately when this happens. 
And you're probably, <laughs> you're probably thinking like, it's the Bible, I promise. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, Holy Spirit knows. <laughs> it can also, of course, soften a room and bring it back to what we call here in our community message lighting, which is lighting that's supposed to make it feel like us and we, not fully focused on me, but not really in any way focused on you. This is the beauty that artifice can bring when used well, because artifice changes how we witness. It changes our perception. It changes how we experience things. In the case of the Palm Sunday video we just played, we got to be a witness on the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, pulling us into the crowd of palm-waving hopefuls, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But have you ever considered... That for all their praise and worship, for all the palm branch waving and genuflecting, all of this was just artifice and that Jesus knew it the whole time. That as he walked in, he saw the conditions of the people. That the palm branches to him were like, yeah, I get it. But do you really realize the kind of king I am? Is what you're witnessing what's actually happening in your heart? Now, what I think is so profound about this is that in order for me to prove to you that Jesus does know all this and that he's unhappy about it, I'm, gonna not, I'm just going to read the very next verse in the Palm Sunday story where Jesus basically goes on an artifice rampage. Verse 11, I just read through verse 10 of the Palm Sunday verse. Verse 11 says this, And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. That means the parade had ended. He had taken the 12 and told them where to be in Bethany, and then he took a walk by himself. He went back into the temple, by the way, which is full of merchants' wares. It was a church that had turned into an economy. Everything about it was was economical. People would come during the celebration, and they would need to make a sacrifice for the sins of that year. That was what culture said. So guess what some other people did? They took advantage inside the church to make for themselves a little money. And they went and got good doves and good lambs and and good bulls, and then they brought them into the church and said, oh, you're here for a sin offering. I have a better better bull than the one you brought, or you forgot yours altogether. You should buy one of mine for three times the price. He's walking around this church in the evening, seeing all of this artifice that the church has put forth as the way to worship God, and something inside his world shifts. The book of John talks about it, And we're going to read about it here in just a moment. But on the way back, Jesus, it appears, grabs some leather straps from somebody, somewhere. Then he goes back to the fire and asks one of the disciples to hold the other in and starts braiding a whip. It says, Scripture very much so says, that Jesus made a whip. Have you ever thought about that? That it wasn't just a moment of passion or there wasn't just a miracle whip, you know, like appearing from behind him. That he thought about what he was going to do with that church that had bought into the artifice. So that night, Jesus makes a whip with his disciples. What kind of conversation do you think that is around the campfire? What, what, what exactly are you doing, Jesus? And he's like, just, just pull it tighter. We got some stuff to deal with tomorrow. It's profound. So Jesus puts the whip on his side like Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones was actually being like Jesus, but still puts the whip on his side, 
right, and starts to walk into town. Again, I'm just reading the passages how they go. Verse 12, on the following day, this is the next morning after the parade and the evening in the church. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And then verse 14, and he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And he said it loud enough that his disciples heard it. Jesus is in a mood, folks. He's on a mission And what he does each step of the way proves more and more and more that he is not about the artifice that detracts from him and the expectations he wants people to see. And he's on his way and he sees a tree. And it's beautiful. It's full of leaves. Now, here's what you need to know about uh, fig trees in this part of the world. There's two harvests. There's the first harvest, which is during this season, the spring harvest. And there's the fall harvest. The true harvest. The fall harvest is usually heavy. The trees are heavy with figs. But the spring harvest is much lighter. But you can determine how well a tree is going to have a fall harvest by how many figs are on the tree during the spring harvest. And Jesus sees a tree that's beautiful, full leaves blowing in the wind. He's got his whip and he's like, I need some nutrients for what I'm about to do, right? I need some food. And he walks up and he's like, this tree is huge and healthy and no fruit. And everything snaps into place and the disciples watch it. And he realizes this tree represents the same thing as the people who were proclaiming Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna the day before. There was no fruit then and there will be no fruit in the future. And so he speaks over this tree and says, you will not bear any more. For you represent the people that brought me in yesterday. I wonder how many people in our lives right now. I'm just, I know it's personal, I know it's Palm Sunday, and and I know we brought guests, but they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. (laughs) If you're a guest, this isn't for you, or it is, (laughs) but it's probably for the person that brought you. So just, just judge them quietly in your heart. I wonder how many people your spring harvest is light. Like you have very little fruit in your life that represents the God that you, that you worship. I mean, you attend church regularly and you bring friends like the ones you brought today, which is great. But when you really measure your life and you look at it, you're like, well, one day I think I'm going to get a hold of this. One day when, when my children are older. One day when my grandchildren can understand. One day when I don't have to do as much at work. One day when I, when I can find a church that just does everything I want and meets all my needs. That's when I'll really start to produce fruit. And I'm just here to tell you, nope, not how it works. You don't need a church service to produce fruit. You just need to be a willing branch connected to the Lord. You need to be able to sit in a space where, where you can be authentic about the things in your life that are, that are just hidden from you, the things in your life that you can't see. And I'm here to tell you that takes community. That takes other people oftentimes to tell you in my own life, it's my wife who tells me when my fig harvest is light. She's really good at it. She's like, Danny, I don't, I don't see a lot, of, a lot of figs going on right now in your heart. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask your opinion. But that's, that's, that's how it works when you have beautiful people in your story that can speak into it. And your world is not all about artifice. Beautiful leaves blowing in the wind. Some of us in this room are beautiful at looking like we follow Jesus well. But we've not been authentic about our expectations and we've demanded God 
to come and do the things that he's like, that's not healthy for you. And so we have witnessed him, if you will, failing us because he's not doing everything we want him to do in our time, in our way, how we determine. Save me, save me. What are the Romans in your life? What are the things that you're like, if God would just take care of that, I would follow him forever. And God's like, no, you really wouldn't. You just get more margin to go do more stuff that you want to do. I've got Romans in my life, so I'm not speaking to you as if this doesn't apply to me. I've just heard it for two services, so I already dealt with myself. All this is for you now. (laughs) So I've already been convicted twice. I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. It's just, it's too much. Artifice changes how we witness. We need to see it, we need to recognize it, and we need to move into it. So, Jesus does that, curses the fig tree, and then from there, moves back into the temple. Verse 12, on the following day when they came from Bethany, oh, sorry, verse 15, and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. This is not a subtle critique. This is a straight-up turning over of all the things people expected to be in church. So that's exactly what we're going to do right now. But we're not going to do it in an easy, creative way. We're just going to do it in a really raw way. So I've got a couple team members. I'm going to have you guys come up. And they're going to turn off stuff on the stage that usually makes things more beautiful in the room. They're going to turn off the stage TVs, the beautiful mountain walls, and uh, some of the lights. Because we don't need that stuff in order to do Jesus, to hang out with Jesus. Now, I could have done this in a really creative way, like really kind of magically, like as I talked, it would just happen, but that would just be more artifice. So instead, I just bring my friends up and we'll just start unplugging stuff. Because that's what happens in our lives when we stop to really face some of these things. You just have to get into some conversations with the right people, some team members in your story, and ask them, what in my life should just be unplugged? Not beautifully sunset. I love doing that stuff but just straight up pulled from the wall of my soul. What in my life should be turned off? What in my life should be like a table in church overturned? Jesus is highlighting the blatant rebellion in the hearts of many. He's doing it by turning off the show. And so we'll take it a step further. We'll turn off the stage lights. We'll turn off the towers. We'll turn off all the other stuff. That for some people makes this place really special. But I'm here to tell you, it's not needed. After Jesus does this, he teaches people. He's not just there to to create noise for any reason. He's there to bring his presence. And so he teaches people so much so that the scribes and Pharisees are like, this man's even more dangerous than we thought he was. Because he's turning off all the artifice that was profiting us. Jesus knows it's time to move on to the next step in his journey, and so he leads them out of town. He could have led them any way he wanted, but what does he do? He leads them back by the fig tree that was cursed the morning of. 
And they passed by in the morning, and they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. And then he goes into this whole diatribe about mountains moving and believing in God and not getting caught up in these things. He says, we are a people that produce fruit for sustenance and meaning in a world that is spiritually starving. Don't just build a life full of beautiful leaves blowing in the wind. Ask hard questions about yourself, about your marriage, about your story. Ask really, really hard questions. This is a little bit personal. Ask really hard questions about the spiritual and emotional uh, weight of the people that are closest to you. Because if they're not constantly challenging you, if they're not constantly speaking life into you, if you don't have relationships where you can be convicting with one another and you just have people who are just of an easily manipulated heart, I don't know if I'd even call those real friendships. Those are just easy clubs that help you prove that the way you think about the world is right. Now, I love sometimes those people because I really like to think about the world the right way and have them tell me how brilliant I am. I love it. And it's hard to sit with people who are like, hey, you said something the other day that made me question. Have you ever pondered that? And I'm like, I don't. <sighs> Thank you so much. Let me think about it and get back to you. We should be building lives that are, that are breathing life into us and each other and not the opposite. Some of us in this room, the only friends you hang out with are actually people who just keep drawing you back to a life of leaves. That's like what they're about. Blown in the wind and beauty and status and a bunch of other stuff that will all be overturned. But some of you have one or two people that are really sometimes difficult for you. Because they challenge you. I'm not saying they're always right, but they challenge you and they want to be deep and they want to be real. I'm here to tell you, God might have those people in your life to help you produce fruit. Maybe this is the season of your heavy harvest. Maybe it's time for you to actually not just attend a church, but be part of the church. And I'm not talking about working at a church or, or even serving here. I mean at your job, when you're driving down the road, walking through the mall at a restaurant, being part of the church. When you're in school, when you're on social media, being part of the fruit-bearing people of Jesus. But the artifice, ugh, if I make a post like that, people will know. People will know I like love God and I want to follow him and I got a lot of friends that aren't about that and I'm like, that's cool. You probably should still probably love God openly and with a little bit of fruit in your life. You should probably turn some lights on in your story. Maybe. But it's really uncomfortable to do so <laughs> because it changes everything in the room. See, when you expose what you really are and suddenly everybody's just the same, I'm telling you right now, this is an uncomfortable room. You may not have realized it, but you were hiding in the dark, same as I do when I'm out there. feels good. But what if Jesus is calling this to be your life? To actually be a, more than just a silhouette in the story of the church's movement but an actual face with expression and struggle and heart, an actual real person. What if this is actually the most Palm Sunday you can make Palm Sunday? 
setting down all the leaves and just asking God to be present in your story. God has been asking people to stand and witness him in this way since the beginning. Isaiah 43 says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Quick question. Do you think God needs ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert for him? No. Thanks for answering. No, he doesn't. Ways in the wilderness and rivers, okay, in the desert are for you. But you have to realize that you're just leaves blowing in the wind. You have to realize ways in the desert are so you can discover a new way than the addiction you continually turn to. That is eating your world from the inside out. And it could be a really public addiction, like you know it right now, or it could be a really quiet addiction, like the addiction to pride. The addiction to look solid. The addiction to be consistent. The addiction to to be something that other people can rely on. And so you can never, ever be the person that relies on anybody else. See, when you expose stuff like this, stuff like this, suddenly people want to be close to you because they're like, I deal with that in a different way. I deal with that in a different way. I deal with that in a different way. And suddenly we're all just part of this new way in the desert. This, This new path that he wants us to follow. Jesus is that river. That's what he was introducing as he walked into that city. Matthew 16, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's inviting people to set down their own agendas in exchange not for clarity or comfort, but for being a witness of the ways of Jesus. And the ways of Jesus, I'm just here to tell you, are not filled with artifice of any kind. It's just him and the person he's with just walking through. And we set down reasons. Oh, save us from this. Save us from that. Here's my palm branch. Don't you see? God, you walked on my coat. You walked on my coat. That must mean something. And Jesus is like, wait, hold on. First off, I stole that donkey. So this doesn't, that's not a good illustration. And second, I just want to sit with you and talk about the fruit in your life that you're bearing because of your relationship with me. I don't need all this. I just want you then to go sit with other people and ask them about their fruit. I want you to be challenged and for them to be challenged. I want you to be a community that doesn't hide in the crowd, shadows in the dark. I want you to be authentic about who you are and what you struggle with. But so often we refuse his invitation to see and to witness. And so we, like the crowd, flow seamlessly from praise to persecution over and over and over and over in our lives. And if we get really good at it, we can hide the persecution portions of our lives and only show people the praise. And people are like, wow, Danny is really, yeah, he's doing some work. And I'm like, yeah, that's because all you see is the praise in my life. That's what you see. That's what we show. But if I told you about the persecution in my life, I would tell you that, that I wish I was a better dad to my kids, especially when they were little. And I was caught up in all the artifice of church. I wish I was a better husband to my wife. Even right now. I was going to say early in our marriage, but then I know that would have been an awkward drive home. So even right now, I want to be a better (laughs) husband. Just best I can be at all times. 
<laughs> I have so much artifice in my story, so much. But I think I'm at a point where I just want it to be part of who I am so that Jesus can, can use it to bring glory to him as he overcomes it and other people realize I'm no different and that you're no different and we can just be connected, intimately following him. Because I would rather have a life leafless, filled with figs, just branches and figs. Not very beautiful. Like no one's, no one's sketching that in the painting, right? Just, just bare branches with tons of figs, but zero leaves. But I would rather be that than the biggest tree with the most beautiful leaves and no fruit to offer anyone that I love. We all do this. We all find meaning in the artifice around Christ instead of Christ himself. And yet in spite of this, he still calls us to bear witness to the love he has for us. We all know, for instance, how the Palm Sunday story ends with the one they were glorifying hanging on a cross, all artifice removed, just blood pain and love. For those who don't know, this is what the coming Good Friday service is all about. A day we set aside to hold the power of that story and its impact on humanity as a whole and my individual, your individual life. Palm Sunday is pointing us towards that. It's a picture of what happens when we as people, like those people, witness and then worship the wrong thing. And a God who pushes past all of that to bring his real and raw presence to our stories. In spite of all the hosannas and all the, 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 the sermons and all the songs and all the gifts and all the giving and all the Bible studies and all the journey, God says, yep, yeah, that's all great stuff and I love it and, 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 it, it, and it's even received by him. God receives it all, but what he wants is the stuff you aren't giving anybody else. So what would happen if we remove the artifice that keeps us from truly being seen by him, praising him, following him, and so witnessing him? Perhaps it would push a fuzzy perspective of God into more clarity. Perhaps it would change everything. But it requires removing yourself from being the center of the story. It, remired, it, it requires kind of coming off stage, realizing this is, let's say, your life, and recognizing that when there's nobody up there, there's just a big, giant gap. And no one really knows what to look at anymore, except the cross. Hmm, that's interesting. I joked with Thursday night, I said, what would, what would happen if I just took the mic off, sat down, and then I realized instantly some of you would jump up because you're like, this is my time to sing my song. I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Others of you have got, there's probably some, some uh, pe preachers in here. You're like, that's it. It's time for me to share my story. We, we would never let the stage stay empty for long. It's not how we're made. It's not what we do. And yet in our hearts, this is the road to Jesus, removing ourselves from the stage of our own desires and letting him be the one that matters, letting the cross be the one that matters. We can, we can build up the biggest show you want. We can turn all the lights back on and make sure this thing just rocks. You can invite all your friends and they'll be so impressed. But will they be changed? Will anybody be changed? This is what the gospel is supposed to be about. It's not a guy on stage who articulates well. It's helpful, but that's not what it's about. 
It's about you setting the stage and then stepping off it, recognizing you want to be there, that, that in your own life you want the control, I want the control, I want to, the, the ability to predetermine how things work, and then recognizing, God, I, I give it to you. It's being in a room with people, one of, not above, and saying, how can we walk together different? This is what Palm Sunday is supposed to remind us. This is what it's tearing apart. This, this artifice that we put forth in exchange for the transformation that the person of Jesus is offering. There are so many people in this room right now, you are so close. This is total side note. You are so close to giving your life over to God like you want to. You are so close. And I'm just here to tell you, there is going to be some artifice you're going to want to throw in front of it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be ugly. Let the ugly. God can handle it. Don't go back into the show. Don't go back into the addiction. Don't go back into the game. Just be where you are and be authentic with him. And listen to his presence because he will find you. He will find you every single time. I recognize in a Palm Sunday service like this, things are supposed to be traditional and rhythmed. But I don't see that. And I don't know if we'll ever do one any different. Because I think this is what God wants to remind you, that he is with you, lights up, face to face. He sees all your stuff. All you got to do is say, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save me. Hmm. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to change this. Yeah. We'll just have you guys come straight up from the back. No beauty coming up from the door. It's just more artifice. Just straight up from the crowd. And I'm going to ask Chandra to just sing over them. And uh, we're going to see what God does with that song. And with your heart, as you hear these words, and as you experience this place that he's brought us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know what you want to do in this room next. I'm just going to let it go. You can have it. You already have. Got it. God, I know that there's, there's an actual, literal battle happening right here in this space where people are bringing forth their excuses, their reasons, their ideas for why things should be a certain way. And God, all you want is heart connection. All you want is presence. And so, Lord, I ask that that's what would happen in this room, that for the next four or five minutes, there would just be an, an intense and immense sense of us feeling and being in your presence that the lights of our soul would be turned on, that we would no longer pretend we don't have stuff, that we wouldn't just desire to be worshipers with branches so that we know what to do with our hands, but we would drop all that and just raise them to you like a child asking to be lifted out of their pain. This is your space, God. Turn over any tables Turn over any excuses, turn over any places that we are selling the gospel 
that we are selling church and replace it, Lord, with you and your presence and your teaching. This is all for you and you alone. Amen. presence was where I found home. You were there and you're here right now. Yes, you are, God. In every high and every low, you never left me without hope. You were
Christ I will witness it And I'll tell them this Oh, I'll tell them what I've witnessed To my family I've witnessed it Thank you. Thank you for this position and this perspective that we get to see your son, Jesus. That we get to follow him and love him and be more like him every day. God, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you for the promises that you have made us. The things that you have done in our past, what you're doing right now, what you're gonna do in our future, God. We give it all to you because we trust you and we love you. You are worthy of all of our praise, God. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for letting us be here in your presence. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen, you guys. Thank you for coming this morning. So good to see you. We hope to see you guys next weekend for Easter. We've got our Good Friday service on Friday as well. Have an awesome day and thank you again for joining us. We love you. We'll see you soon.